myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week we've got a fantastic guest. It's comedian Tony Casillas. Tony is one of the rising stars here in the Dallas comedy scene. He has recently risen to the ranks of feature and has done some road work at various clubs across the United States with some big name acts like Jeremy Piven, Big J. Okerson, Tim Dillon, Orny Adams, and of course T.J. Miller. Tony is always busy doing something because not only is he a comedian, he's a photographer, video editor, and fellow podcaster. Tony is a really good friend, and we had a great conversation. In this episode, we talk a little bit about comedy, and I roast him some, and then we get into his fear of failure. So without further delay, let's get to my interview with Tony Casillas. We're here with my friend and comedian, Tony Casillas. Tony, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing, Ryan? I am hanging in there. I've spent seven months now in this apartment. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Like, I have not, rare, I rarely go out. Like, I'll go to the grocery store, like, like an old person. Like, I go at seven in the morning. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I go at night. I go, like, around eight or nine-ish. I'll go out like once a week now, just like just to see the world. I won't even be in public. I'll just drive around just to see what's going on. And then I just go back home and I'm like, yeah, this is safer. My bedroom is safer. Like, I feel like my mom's dog in a car <laughs> and I do drive. I'm like, oh, what's going on? Yeah, oh, this is great. Yeah. Let me roll down the window. Let me feel the I just wind. drive by packed bars and I'm like, oh, that would be nice. <laughs> and then I just like, yeah, go back home and yeah. just drink by myself. Well, that's good. Good to hear that you drink alone. Um, <laughs> this is how we yeah. start. How we start our fear podcast with with just assaulting each other's self esteem. <laughs> yeah. So, how long have you been doing comedy, Tony? This summer actually hits my four years. So, uh, I hit my four years this month. Actually, congratulations! So, you're also thank you. You're also a fellow podcaster out there. Yeah. Um, tell us a little about your podcasts you got going on. So I have. I have two. One is uh, with me and Parker, my roommate, Parker Slavens, and it's called the Before and After Podcast. And that's just me and him just goofing off for an hour and just telling life stories or like silly stuff that have happened that week. And we just try to make each other laugh. And then I, uh, I, I'm i starting a new podcast, which comes out uh, this Monday. So it'll probably be out by the time this episode's out called Tony Talks To. And it's me just talking to uh, comedians, musicians, musician artists or just like even friends of mine that I've had in the past and uh I just want to get to know them uh, uh just uh, to talk about the work they had to put in to get where they are today Ooh. like in 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 their career and and everything well with Parker I can see that'll be a very short interview <laughs> how did you get to where you are well my parents gave me money and here I am <laughs> Yeah, it's like my mom drove me to open mics. My two mom hours. opened her checkbook and wrote down some numbers, <laughs> and my rent was paid. <laughs> I shouldn't beat up on Parker. He's not here to defend himself. 
but I'll, I'll I'll relay the message and he'll laugh because okay. <laughs> I say that to him all the time. <laughs> so when you said that, I was like, "Y'all, life stories." Oh, you got. By the way, if you guys don't know, Tony Casillas and Parker Slavens maybe together equal how old I am combined. How uh, old are you? I'm 43. So I'm 25, and then he's 20. Yeah, we're a little older. We're like 50 something. Okay, together. So yeah, so yes, twenty got twenty year old guys with so much life experience just <laughs> spending an hour telling life stories. All the mem- li- we we're both we have stories like uh, you know parents can be mean sometimes. <laughs> it's been so long. I don't remember my parents. <laughs> How my parents, my mom's parenting style. I can't really recall. And it's probably yeah. for the best. It's probably that's how scary it is. Is that I've put it away somewhere and like. <laughs> but it's good to have you on. Um, I do a podcast myself um, about fears, like things you're afraid of, how they started, how you deal with them on a daily basis, and things you do to kind of to kind of try to you know prevent, treat, you know, or just kind of live with that fear. And is that working yeah. for you? Is it not? Have you thought about therapy? It, things of that nature. You know, even, even if you have or haven't, I'm not here to judge. It's just some people, you know, are very pro-therapy and it's a great thing. Yeah. Other people, you know, just don't feel like they need it and that's okay too. So let's go here. What fear do you want to talk about today, my good friend? Mine is the fear of failure. Ooh. Yeah, of failing. Okay. So that kind of, I can see all these projects coming out. Is that part of it where you just have all these different things going? Like you're. So I'll, I'll give a little backstory. So for me, I, I come from a family where on my dad's side, uh, it mainly come this, this fear comes from because uh, uh, I come from a military background. All the men on my dad's side had served in the military uh they're very successful in their military careers. They're very uh, positively looked upon. And uh, ever since I was a little kid, I these 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 ideals have been instilled in me where, oh, you need to earn, you have to have this amount of money in your bank account by this age. Uh, by this time, you should probably be married. By this time, you should probably have kids. And, and there was like this checklist. And uh, – I have uh, completed none of those checklists. How many? Where are the tattoos on that checklist? Oh, they, that is, yeah, that is, I'm going to hell. I, I filled the, the satanic checklist and the, the disappointed grandson and son checklist on the tattoos. Maybe if you had gotten like army ranger tats or something like that, <laughs> would, they would look more fun. <laughs> do, do they, you, they would. Go ahead. No, they would, they would look good, but, uh, I haven't served, so I feel like that would just be stolen valor. Mm-hmm. True, it probably and it probably <laughs> would be. I just didn't know, like, so that's how fear afraid of failing your parents you would do yeah. this. Maybe you could just misspell airborne, like it would just be with no e, <laughs> just <laughs> or it's a zero, zero. <laughs> I, I, it's I not stolen valor, then it's just misspelled valor. <laughs> it's typoed I, valor. <laughs> Typo ballot. That's good. <laughs> but yeah, so like, so like with me, it, it was weird because growing up, I remember my dad put me into like a lot of sports, and uh, 
I'm not I'm not a very athletic guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like sports. I like watching it, but uh, I was never the fastest. I was never the strongest. I was never, you know, the the, the best thrower in a sport. And I enjoyed playing it. But they always instilled, oh, you could be the best. You could be the best, and I would always be the worst, and be the worst. Hmm. And uh, like I, I remember. He he put me in wrestling and I, like I was bad. Like I hadn't won a match, and my dad told me before my last match of the season, he goes, "If you beat this kid, if you beat him, I'll buy you the new Pokemon game." And uh, that alone gave me uh, the energy to beat him. But uh, I found out later that that kid had also hadn't won. Uh, a match that year so it's like I beat the worst kid so I was like I'm second to worst well except you have to start somewhere yeah that's what they call in the business a moral victory (laughs) at that point (laughs) you got your Pokemon game obviously that guy didn't get his so what is your earliest memory of failure man I think my earliest memory of failure would probably just uh, probably in little league baseball. Like, like my dad would come out and he would like try to practice with me and, uh, and he, I, I could tell he wanted me to be good. Cause my dad was a pretty good baseball player growing up. And I, I just couldn't reach the potential that he thought I had. So he thought you had more and, and I, you I were could, just, you were just lazy. So he would just, but I he say just, was lazy. I'm not I saying actually, you were I, in his mind. That's what he yeah, was thinking yeah. is you had yeah, all this yeah. potential. You just couldn't, you were either not trying. Cause that's where I remember when I was in little yeah. league, I'm all of the shortest guy in all of my leagues. And I remember, you know, getting yelled at, you're not even trying. Like I, like I had some superpower that mm-hmm. I wasn't tapping into. <laughs> uh, the only thing I'm tapping into is trying yeah. not to cry more than I am now. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's that's how I felt was just like, I don't know, I like education was pressured on me and I, I, I wasn't a bad student, but I was also, it, it didn't interest me to like study for tests. Like I always... I managed to get like B's because I would just study and memorize, but I was never, yeah, I was never like a book smart guy. I was never really an athletic guy. And, uh, that's what my, my dad wanted me to be. So I always felt like I was failing Mm -hmm. him by not doing what he wanted me to do. By not doing it or just not getting it to a level that you, you thought was satisfactory. So Exactly. I would say satisfactory because I remember growing up, me and him, we would uh, study together, like math homework at our kitchen table. And at first it would be nice. He would be like, yeah, what's a three times seven? I'd be like 21. And at first it would start out real nice. But by the end of it, every time, by like mark 45 minutes in, it would just get into a yelling match every time. I'd be like, fuck fractions, da-da-da. And then he would just be like, well, you're going to be a bum. And it would just be a yelling match between a 12-year-old and a 40-year-old man. It was it was strange. I feel like helping your kid with homework is like playing Monopoly. Like it's, It starts out in fun. 
But then uh, after you hit, after <laughs> yeah. they land on Madison Avenue so many times, you have to pay out so much money. You're like, fuck this guy. Fuck this guy and his three <laughs> hotels on Madison Avenue. <laughs> yeah. And my thing was, like, my dad has a master's in, like, economics, and he's, he, he does, like, money management for the military. So his whole life is numbers. And so he's like, how do you not get this? And I was like, I'm 12. You you have mastered you have mastered uh you have mastered this and I I yeah and I have anxiety over it so like give me give me a yeah. break you know I'm a child I get, that. I get that and I also like say I feel where your dad's coming from you're you're like your dad's legacy and so it's kind of exactly unnerving for him because he wants to think that he has passed on this intellect of numbers to you and that you would just be, you know, you're the, you're the prodigal son. You're the, you're the, you're going to take this numbers thing and run with it and go further than he is. And then when it does it, and then you feel like, well, he's my son, so he's got to have it. I feel like that's where it comes from is that he, 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 no, he's part me. So he's going to get this. He's just not. He has to get it. He has to. Yeah. So for him, like it, it was always like a struggle with, with growing up, like I, I never felt, I don't know. I never felt good, good enough. Is that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I was never making them proud because I, uh, like when I did theater, I joined theater my senior year after I got caught with, with weed and like my parents were like really upset. And I, I told them, I was like, Hey man, like maybe if you gave me like, like some kind of artistic thing, I could, I could express myself. Maybe I wouldn't have gone to drugs or whatever. And they let me do theater. And in the year I did theater, I did, I did pretty well. I'm not saying I was a good actor, but I got Mm -hmm. cast in one of the class plays that we did. uh, And then I, I got like a minor role in the main main play that we did at the end of the year. So I don't know. I, I, I always felt like I was good at, at, at creative subjects, but to him, like he could mm-hmm. see it and he could see, oh, this was good. But to him, it wasn't mm-hmm. an accomplishment. It was a hobby. It was a hobby or it was like, oh, OK, you you said some lines. Well, like to him, it, it like because he comes from that that military structure. Mm-hmm. It's like so art art. It's not even a space in his mind. It's always been West Point. You know, you're going to you're going to take a physical class then you're going to go to your economics class. You're going to take a physical class then you're going to go to your history class. You're going to there art was never anything in his yeah. wheelhouse. So he just didn't understand it. Has he tried to understand it with you? Like I know you do video editing and things like that as well. Does he ever check yeah. out your projects and kind of look at them and offer? It's now he does now because uh, this has been like an ongoing thing with failure because uh i dropped out of school my freshman year of college i went to texas state and i went from this like very strict household to one of the biggest party schools in texas and i just like went crazy it wasn't even like fun crazy i was just me and my like roommate would just drink all night long it wasn't like i was going to parties and like meeting people actually getting experience it was like no i was just playing mario kart while drinking jack daniels and uh, so I, I never went to class. I never really studied. So I dropped out and had to move back home. And then when I went to community college at home, I took a photography class and an editing class. And I, 
I was pretty good at it. Like I, I picked it up fast. Okay. I picked it up fast and I told him like, Hey, I want to study film. And he was not excited about that. He, he, cause he, he didn't think he was like, people like us don't get into the film industry. I feel like you could make a movie about your dad. Oh yeah. He's like Joe McCraney and major dad. (laughs) He is. Yeah. He is very like, like he will be wearing his military. If you get married, I could see him like in full military uniform. Yeah. He, he's very, yeah. Growing up, it was very like that. He would come home full military attire uh, why isn't the room clean? He, he's like a lovely guy. I don't want to paint this picture like he's a villain. He He's a lovely guy. And since he's retired, he's actually opened up a lot. And uh, we've gotten a lot closer. But I get it. It's a being in the army is yeah. a stressful and, and, job. And I don't think you're painting him bad. But I think everybody is, has a, you know, a parental figure that from either from military background or just a strict background that by them yeah. going through it, their rite of passage that makes it the way they need to raise you. And like I said, it doesn't make it right or wrong. Mm-hmm. It just makes it to what their experience was growing up. And so they take some of that. Maybe yeah. they're not as strict as, you know, the one before them, but they still have those same values, those same core values of you just need to work hard. You're going to be talented at this. If you just keep working at math, you're going to get it. And eventually you'll be a mathematician. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you're going to, so how does failure change yeah. your life? So, man, it, it's a weird thing because I'm proud. I'm, I think failure is good because I think failure, I think people need to try something that they think they're not good at so that they, they can get stronger. Because I, I, I really do think like growing up playing sports and not being good at it, it still taught me like a life lesson. It's like, oh, I could go into this wrestling match and get my ass kicked. But at the end of the day, I'm going to be okay. okay afterwards. You know what I mean? I'm not going to, it's not going to, it's not going to ruin me. It's not going to end me. It, it's just like, okay, we're going to go to the next match and maybe I'll win the next match. And I didn't, but it, each time I could just go in and be like, at the end of the day, I'm going to be okay. And even if you don't win, you're going to mm-hmm. be okay. So for me, I had to change my definition of like what, so when I started comedy, I started comedy like four years ago, right? Okay. And uh, they weren't very thrilled that I was a comic. They they couldn't see it because I was never really the funny, the the funny person in the family. I was never the class clown. So to them, they're like, "Oh, you're not a comedian." So we're gonna just let him do this thing. He's gonna fail out of it, and then you'll just go back to pursuing something normal. But like, it stuck. Like comedy was like the first thing for me where early on I quickly got it. Like I quickly, I'm not Mm -hmm. saying I I was good at it, but I I understood it. I understood the formula. I understood what you had to do. And I quickly got comfortable with it. And uh, it, it was weird because I was using comedy and I was slowly getting achievements in comedy, like starting to MC weekends or, like I won funniest comic in Denton last year or two years ago. And I was getting these things and I still, when I would tell like my dad's side of the family about it, like my grandma and my dad, I still felt like a failure to them because I wasn't doing the path that they wanted me to do. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was like, yeah, I was achieving in something, but even that achievement wasn't, there, there wasn't the financial gain that they wanted from me 
or there wasn't the the stability that they wanted for me or uh, the dating like oh when are you having grandkids which like yeah, or when are you having kids so I can be a grandmother or you know or great grandmother it's like uh, all that stuff I wasn't achieving so I still felt like a failure while I was achieving something and I was being proud of something which that has that was a big struggle for me these past like three and a half years. So you were just afraid to tell them about anything you're doing. You you just dreaded that question of what are you doing? No, I, it was opposite. I would tell them okay. thinking this is going to be it. I would be like, oh, yeah, look what I did. And then they would be like, oh, OK. OK, I thought maybe you would dread the question of how is comedy going because you just knew that there was nothing they were going to say positive about it. But I get the other way around, too, is like you're like yeah. really excited about something and you've got some energy to do it. And they just have no, I guess, concept of doing, you know, getting $100 for a weekend is not a success in their eyes. Yeah, because it's like that's not financially. You can't financially be stable off of that or like driving 12 hours to do a gig where it's like, yeah, I'm only making 50 bucks, but I made a room full of 200 people laugh. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to to them, it was, I don't know. It, it was a weird thing. It was a weird, it was a weird thing where I was succeeding, but I was still dealing with failure mm -hmm. because I was chasing, I was trying to chase acceptance, which I've, I, I've come to realize you can't chase because it made me depressed for the longest time because it was like, what? Like I would, I would just do be doing shows and I would be like, yeah, this is what's going to make my dad proud or my grandma proud. But then I was like, why do I even give a shit? I should just be happy. I'm proud. I'm proud of what I'm doing. So why can't I just be proud? Why do they have to be proud? Like, mm -hmm. why am I feeling like a failure? Even though I I'm succeeding slowly and uh, I'm getting better and I'm slowly growing, which to me is success, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes people, they all see different, you know, successes to the beholder. Some people, you know, see successes. I'll go back to comedy is, you know, oh, I got this joke to work. Yeah. After, after writing it and trying to say it for six months at Alpha Mike, I've gotten it to work three times in a row. That's a success. It doesn't mean you pro sometimes success you don't profit off of. Yeah. Sometimes success is just something, it's it's a validation of all the hard work you've been doing. And maybe that's where your fear comes from, is you're just not getting the validation from from the dad side of the family because you've been, your whole life, it's been pushed on you that, that you haven't made them proud. And so you're trying to just make them proud with anything. Yeah. any You're, you're just lobbing, th you're lobbing great things in your life out into the, into the world. Yeah. Hoping that one of them lands and like, oh my God, Tony, we're so proud of you. Exactly. Dude, that's like, like for instance, uh, when this pandemic first happened, the, my grandma calls me and she, this is, I shit you not, this is 100% true. She goes, well, that was a nice run with comedy. Like she just thought it was over. She's like, okay, that's good that it's over and we can just get you a job and you can just start making like money and it's just done. It's over. And I was just like, no, it's not over. It, but like it, I'm not done. I'm not stopping it. I'm not quitting. You know. On the outside, we're not quitting. Inside, different animal. Inside, we're quitting. <laughs> Inside, we quit three years ago. Yeah, yeah. Inside, we quit. But you mentioned earlier that the way you attack failure is that you just you bring more stuff in, and you actually mm -hmm. attack things that maybe you wouldn't 
attack if you if you let your fear get into you like you said you did sports you 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 try life experiences yeah how has that worked for you as far as like is that kind of making that fear of not having your dad proud just kind of kind of go by the wayside and maybe it's not as a daunting of a task to just hear people that you love and respect and you know really trust their you know value their input yeah not i wouldn't say shun but just kind of not regard your accomplishments in the way you would want them to yeah i think i it, yeah it kind of makes me just like push back at it because it's like oh you don't think i can do this let me show you know what i mean it almost becomes like resentment which i don't like but i know is there sometimes like yeah. it's like they're like oh because like i said i was like growing up i when i if i had to give like a, a speech in class I would shake and I was nervous. And like, that's honestly why I, I tried comedy because I was in film school at the time. I was about to go in my senior year. And I know when in your senior year of film school, a lot of the time you have to give a lot of presentations or like pitch a movie. And then they pick movies that decide to get made. So I was like, Hey, let me try this stand up thing and like, just get up in front of strangers and speak for a little bit. And heck, even if I'm not funny, at least it will teach me public speaking that I could use for for film. But then I started like getting better at comedy, I think better than my filmmaking. And uh, so I kind of stuck with it. So in a way, I tried comedy because I loved it, but I never thought I could do it. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a different animal. Like if anybody ever has stage fright and wants to tackle it comedy is the way i would go over karaoke yep i'm terrified of karaoke and that's gonna be a future episode <laughs> my good friend interviews me yeah about why i'm afraid of doing karaoke <laughs> but what you struck me hit home because when i first started comedy in like 2007 i went down to my dad because they, they were doing a last comic standing audition yeah yeah where you know it wasn't really you learned pretty quickly you were just there to be camera fodder for, you know, yep. things going on. But I stay with my dad and my dad asked me, he's like, well, it's never going to financially work. You know, you can't just do this. And it wasn't resentment. No. Even though I, I get that. It's that feeling, though, of, oh, you don't think I can do this? Okay. I wouldn't call it yeah. resentment. I would say you just threw down a gauntlet. Yeah. And my childhood ego is... <laughs> is going to fight you tooth and nail now because you said I can't Yeah. to make me can. And he did help me. Like I said, you were there when he was there for my first show at the Secret Group where we mm -hmm. were all together. That was the first time he ever saw me do stand-up in a crowd. Wow. I've done stand-up at our Christmas gathering, which was the second worst gig of my life. <laughs> yeah, that's always, yeah, yeah, yeah. In a living room with no mic, with just your family just staring at you Yeah. in this house. It was my nightmare. Because <laughs> it's one of those things, too, where, you know, your dad's never heard your bit about your dad. Yeah. And so it's and they're front row and there's no one else to look at. There's no other audience. Exactly. And there's no strangers to be kind of like the outlier and to just be like, oh, this is funny because, mm -hmm. you know, when it's your kid, because I, I remember and I think for my dad, too, because I remember that night at the secret group because people piled in towards the end towards your set and you had a really good set because I bet how bad it would have been if it was just your family that it would have been the same. It would have been Christmas 2.0. That was your set. 
Yeah, it would have been. <laughs> yeah, that was your set. <laughs> yeah, it would have just. So I lived. I I lived your Christmas basically. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, they but, were uh, way better audience members to you guys than they were to me. But they were yeah. laughing. But it, it was just the intimidation of they wanted to see me do it, and they thought it would be fun to do it one Christmas. And yeah, it was they could see after Christmas they could see like okay you're pretty good at this. And then then I did the secret group, and I was like thank God that late show crowd piled in when they did. Yeah, and I was able to to run that room a little bit so that people, you know, like not even just them were laughing, but everybody else and actually went out of my comfort zone, did some crowd work and it was a great night. Yeah. It's a, that what for me, that happened to me too. It was uh, at jokesters 22 in San Antonio. Okay. And uh, so I get to the gig and my dad invites like him and eight of his friends and oh. at first, they're the only people in the audience. So they re- the the guy was immediately. They know they're not, you're not making any money at this. <laughs> yeah, immediately they're just like, and and I'm as the performer, I'm supposed to do like 15 minutes. I'm like Jesus, I don't want to do this. But uh, thank God, kind of like your situation. It's like I think someone was watching over us. Where right before I get up, like 30 people entered, 30 like strangers just entered, and I had a really good set. And like, I even did crowd work with my dad. There's one joke I make fun of my dad and I called him out and like, but it was like a good, it was a good time. And like his friends came up to me afterwards and complimented me and they're like, oh, that was a good night. And to him, I think that was the first time where he kind of was like, oh, okay. Yeah. It, it, It takes sometimes, it just takes them seeing you do it to kind of get what you're in and maybe even also some old age because it may be a certain thing like if you're doing this in high school he'd still be pushing the college no matter how great you could have been you could have been getting a standing ovation yeah in a netflix special netflix would be like hey we want to we want to use you exclusively and he'd still be like no you we're gonna go back to college (laughs) (laughs) he's gonna be a mathematician dude i i i still remember and where I, I did a gig where I opened for Jeremy Piven in San Antonio, but I told him, I was like, Hey, it was, it was my first time doing like a, a theater. It was like 700 seat theater. Yeah. And I told him and it, Jeremy Piven was like, Hey, I can get your dad a free ticket. If you want the text him. I'm like, Hey, I'm driving into town tonight. Da da da. Uh, if you want to come to this gig and he just goes, no, the Cowboys are on. And then no tact, no tact, no, no saying yeah. I can't make it. Sorry. No, he was like literally Cowboys. And I remember that night coming home from the gig. I got in like at one thirty-two in the morning and my dad was still up, which was strange because he usually goes to bed pretty early. And he just looks at me. He's like, how was the gig? I was like, good. And then he, he looks at me and he just goes, I should have been there, right? Wow. And I go, yeah, it would have been cool. You know, it would have been cool for you to see it because he had seen me do stand up at like, yeah, mm-hmm. this like C club in San Antonio. But it would have been cool to see him at on that scale, on that scale with 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 somebody, a celebrity that believes in you to kind of give you that chance to give me that chance. And I had like a good set and like it, it felt good and I felt good about myself and it was after having to follow like a nationally touring headliner. So it was like a, a killer went on before me and I held my own in that situation. So it was, I think he's realizing now that I'm doing it, but even him still today, he still has that fear. 
that I'm failing. So it's like, I, I think fear of failure just runs in our family where they just, you know, they just want me to, I, and I get it. They just want me to be okay. They just want me to be financially secure. And my thing is like money has never run my, my world. Yeah. You know, I've, I've never chased something because of a dollar amount. Cause if I, if I would have, I would be way better off wearing way better clothes. <laughs> Touche. I, yeah. <laughs> I also wear terrible clothes. If you've ever seen my Instagram, I have, <laughs> I got rid of my affliction tea collection not too long ago. <laughs> I feel so bad for whatever donation group just gets this care package of 2006 terribleness in their lives. I'm just basically opening the can for them to be bullied more. It's not bad enough that they're poor. Now they're <laughs> wearing these terrible <laughs> ass shirts. There's going to be one guy at like the homeless shelter just chugging a, uh, a monster energy drink. And he goes, fucking sick. <laughs> he's going to be like, Ryan Perio is my, he's my savior, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the hero you need. I'm the hero you deserve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Tony, thanks for doing this. Where can the people find you on social media? Thanks for having me. No, this was fun. This was a, it was good to get that stuff off my chest. It was not, it was like, I, I don't talk about it a lot. So, this was good. Uh, they can find me at comedian Tony Casillas on uh, Instagram, Twitter. You can send me a friend request at Tony Casillas. It's C I S or C A S I L L A S. Uh, check out the Before and After podcast and Tony Talks to on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. And your dad's going to probably get on to you for not being able to spell your last name. <laughs> C-I-C-A. God. I'm going to need to sit you at the kitchen table and yell at you some more so you can learn how to spell. <laughs> Thanks again, Tony. Thank you, Ryan. So that was Tony Casillas. I can tell you I really related to how he seeks approval from his dad and his dad's side of the family. And I can also see because that path doesn't really have a clear direction, they may have trouble seeing what is considered success. I think it's something we all struggle with, just communicating with loved ones, especially when it's something we don't understand ourselves. Sometimes trying to be supportive, we end up set, trying to set realistic expectations, and that realistic expectation becomes... Something, you know, being viewed as unsupportive when we bring that realistic expectation to the table. Sometimes that's love is being the one that has to tell them the hard truth. That's how I feel sometimes is you just have to be honest. And sometimes that honesty can be unwelcome at first. I wonder how many fears are produced because of poor communication. Just somebody saying the wrong thing and then it putting in your mindset that this is could go badly or it just makes you second guess it's amazing how the lack of communication can produce a drive though and a fear of failure of having to face those perceived naysayers because now you're you're struggling so hard to try to prove them wrong tony uses his drive to really push hard and be a success at comedy he's doing a ton of shows this coming weekend, he will be at the Addison Improv featuring for Jeremiah Watkins. You can check out the show in our show notes. Then the following weekend, he is taping an album at Hyannis in Fort Worth. Links to both of those will be in the show notes. As for myself, you can catch me at the Addison Improv on November 5th. 
And then November 19th through the 21st, I'll be at Hyenas in Fort Worth with Chris Porter. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. I got a great show lined up next week for Halloween. Writer Danny Gallagher will join the show to talk about his fear of haunted houses. Can't get a more perfect fear for Halloween week than that. And now some credits and thank yous for the people that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater, who does my graphics and design for my comedy as well as my podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhitech2o. Get it, Whitewater. Also, a big thank you to Gunnar Olsen for my music. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns. That's G-U-N-B-U-N-S. You can also check out his website at gunnarolson.net. And you can check out his awesome EPs and some music he's got coming out. Real excited for him. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ryan Perio on all social media. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O. If you want to follow the show, I highly recommend it. Instagram and Twitter is at Some Fear Fans. Facebook group is Some of All Fears. If you want to, if you have questions for the show or feedback, email me at SomeFearFans at Gmail. If you want to be a guest on the show, also email me at SomeFearFans at Gmail.com. We can make that happen. Please keep leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you listen to. I, appreciate, I just appreciate seeing that people like what I'm putting out. So if you like what you hear, go ahead and leave a review. I appreciate all of you for listening. And next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening to The Sum of All Fears. Fears.